0: From some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now. Get off my lawn and go train. Hey, so welcome to the BJJ Mental Models Podcast. This is Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. And this is our first episode. So to give a bit of context, I guess the first thing that we should do is probably introduce ourselves, then talk a little bit about what we're doing here and why we're making this. Yep. So we're making this as a way to start to document
1: how we're studying jujitsu nowadays. We've both been training about 10 years and have a lot of experience, obviously, on the mats between the two of us. And we are just bringing to light some things that we've learned that have helped us become more efficient in our jiu-jitsu journeys. And we think would help benefit people that are beginners for learning jiu-jitsu from stage one.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the thing that makes us uh, a little bit unique is that we both have very different backgrounds when it comes to jiu-jitsu most of the podcasts and videos that I've seen out there usually come from people who train full-time or they they basically live and die jiu-jitsu it's the their profession it's the the big focus of their life but the reality is that although those people do exist a lot of people are, are more along the lines of hobbyists and we wanted to come up with a platform and a framework that really provides some some value to everyone and encourages new ways of thinking when it comes to jiu-jitsu. We're not going to be talking so much about individual techniques. Um, It's hard to communicate that through a podcast anyway, but what we're going to be doing is talking about mental models, strategies, concepts that apply to everything when it comes to Brazilian jiu-jitsu.
1: So today our topic is going to be alignment. And alignment is something that I learned through my professor, uh, rob bernacki who has a gym in Nanaimo, bc called island top team um and i am uh, affiliated with rob my school is on guard brazilian jiu-jitsu in Pitt meadows and when i was a purple belt i met rob at a, one of his workshops at a club that i was training at called burnaby bjj and um he was talking in language that i had never heard before he was breaking things down into
0: outside of grade nine uh science basically <laughs> yeah use,
1: using terms like levers and frames and and uh problem solving algorithms and really nerding it up right and at the time i, I didn't really know what i was even listening to because i had like so many people out there uh, i was used to learning jujitsu in terms of moves so i was learning techniques and i always thought jujitsu is a game of techniques you know you, you need to know these techniques you need to be you know you don't need to know them all but you need to be really good at them but but primarily classes were taught in you know roll to warm up or do a warm-up then you focus on a technique or two and then you roll at the end so it's not so much an emphasis on how you get from from one spot to another but more you know developing your favorite moves and developing your your game plan essentially around a set of moves so when i met rob he started talking in terms of uh, alignment and what he meant by the, the you know the analogy he uses for alignment is is that um, you know you look at the best athletes in the world, soccer players, hockey players. Why are why do the best players keep scoring goals uh, or or set, getting a lot of assists? And it's it's because of things uh, like alignment, where they're in always a better position um, to be advantageous during the game. So if you can always be in a better position than someone using your uh, your alignment of your body, then you're going to
0: be essentially more effective and more efficient in your jiu-jitsu attacks sounds good sounds good um, and actually maybe before we dig into that we should i could ask a few questions about your particular background matt uh, you mentioned already that you're a head instructor at on guard bjj maybe tell me a little bit about your journey through jiu-jitsu your um, experiences on competition and kind of what your philosophy is for playing the game
1: yeah so actually um Thank you, Steve, for getting me into Jiu Jitsu about 10 years ago. I, I started knowing Jiu Jitsu like so many people through Joe Rogan. I was influenced. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was actually, I came home from the library and my buddy had a, a book on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu by Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo. And I looked into it <laughs> and it was, you know, really cool. I, I had wrestled a little bit in middle school and then in high school, I just played hockey all the way through and I you know I I wasn't really into uh, grappling but I I did enjoy the wrestling aspect of it and then after this book I was sort of studying it and then I looked up UFC and what that is and of course that's you know for someone who's never seen two men fighting it's it's pretty amazing and I, I just enjoyed the the mental aspect of it and the technical aspect and all the cool attacks that they're doing it's not just wrestling where you're Trying to pin someone, but I was intrigued by the moves and the locks and everything. So I went to my first jiu jitsu class. And, uh, or actually, sorry, I, th- I think actually you, I was going to go to a school that you were training at at the time and I did a drop in class, but I remember it didn't work out. So I went to a different school mm-hmm. and I tried jiu jitsu and I, I wasn't even planning on being a a competitor by any means I just became so hooked with it that after a while I was realizing hey I'm going to class like pretty much every night Mm -hmm. a few months in I realized that this is something that I I feel like I'm actually decent at and I'm really enjoying so I'm gonna just keep training because uh, it felt right to to try and get to the gym as often as I could and then yeah just from there I started competing maybe I think like six months in as a white belt and just sort of uh, fell in love with the feeling that I got from competing and I've competed all the way up until uh, brown belt still haven't competed as a black belt yet I got my black belt a few months ago but I'm looking forward to doing it uh, hopefully next month first competition is black belt and our, my whole my whole uh, philosophy on jiu-jitsu has been to try to have a complete game so I'm not really a specialist in any one thing but I want to be good and proficient in everything so top game bottom game uh and submissions, obviously, leg locks, inverted games like Crab Ride and Barambola. So it's, I do it, I do it because I'm passionate. And um, I've always tried to instill that in my students to be passionate, but also to try to have a, a complete game even if you like a certain aspect you're a leg locker. at least you should be able to have a takedown or two and that's you know gi and no gi i'm i've always done both together and having that completeness i think makes you a, a complete grappler
0: yeah yeah i I agree so uh, a little bit about my background as as matt mentioned we started really very similarly around the same time i remember we we both got into it roughly around the same time and interestingly we both got our black belts roughly around the same time as well Um, that was about i guess 10 or 11 years ago that we started training for me um i'm I'm kind of the opposite you know i if if matt's the expert in in this i'm kind of like the idiot (laughs) you know i for me um i i've never been into jiu-jitsu for the competitive aspects i'm just not really a competitive person. I'm, I'm the definition of like a hobbyist grappler, right? I'm the, I'm the hobbyist black belt. Uh, I have been, I got into jujitsu because really, I, like a lot of people, I, I've always wanted to try a martial art. It, it's intimidating at first, but I finally in my, my late 20s got up the, you know, the courage to try something. But the first question that you have to ask yourself then is, well, which of these martial arts am I interested in and what are they all? Because most people don't really know what the difference is between all of these options. And like many i I did a bit of research i was drawn to the ufc and i learned about brazilian jiu-jitsu from there and the thing I liked about Jiu Jitsu versus other arts is that it is primarily about defense. It's primarily about using your, your mind and your, your brain and your strategy to defeat a bigger, larger opponent and to do so in a gentle and a safe fashion, right? It's, um, I believe it was Henry Gracie who described Jiu Jitsu as being like the only true self-defense art. You know, most martial arts, even the ones that say they're self-defense, they're really more like, self-offense right they're about basically uh, using your body as a weapon to defeat the other guy whereas jiu-jitsu really is about defusing situations and that was a philosophy that very much appealed to me so um, I've been training um, not with any real intensity for um, over the years but you know I like a lot of people I kind of I work it around my work schedule I've never competed it's just not a thing that particularly drives or interests me but I do still want to use the limited training time I have to be as good a a grappler as I can be and when you do have limited time to train you have to really maximize every training session that you've got you know you're you're going to be fighting guys who are a more dedicated than you they're a lot younger bigger stronger than you and for me the goal has always been to be an effective learner and to have an effective strategy and I spend a lot of time thinking about what that means and how I want to apply myself to the art um, a big a big focus for me is coming up with strategies and learning models and that's kind of how we got this whole concept going about mental models so this is something that comes up a lot in the business world and in my career path where you're looking for ways to make good decisions and ways to think effectively. And um, Warren Buffett's business partner, Charlie Munger, really popularized the concept of mental models, which basically means coming up with a, like looking for patterns in the world, looking for rules that are almost universal and apply to everything. So in, in the business world, you know, there could be uh, a common one that comes up a lot is like the 80-20 rule. You'd pro- you might have heard of this before, but basically this says that like 80% of the results come from 20% of the efforts. So this kind of thing encourages you to look for ways to maximize gain in terms of the effort that you're putting in. And I kind of realized that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has a lot of these as well. You know, there are there are rules or strategies or principles that are almost universally true. And like Matt said, you know, it, everyone kind of gets into Jiu-Jitsu and they start off as technique hunters. You know, you want to know what the technique of the day is. You go to class and your instructor teaches you the technique du jour and you try to memorize the 12 steps to do that move. And when you actually try to use that move in live sparring, it never works because that's not how actual moves work. You don't just memorize the steps and then do them. So Part of my interest in Jiu-Jitsu is, from a philosophical standpoint, trying to identify all of those mental models and apply them to training in such a way that I don't need to remember all of the different steps to moves. I remember the principles and the foundations, and those allow you to learn any new technique much easier, because even before you've seen a technique for the first time, you understand it at its core. Um, and to Matt's point, Rob Bernacki's model, the uh, the alignment framework, is probably one of my favorite mental models for jujitsu because it really concisely describes exactly what jujitsu is. Now, I don't train under Rob, but Matt does and has a very good understanding of how this stuff works. So I think maybe Matt, the most important or the the most effective way to have this conversation is for me to just pick your brain about it. And you can maybe educate me as well as everyone's listening about what exactly this is and, and what it means. So let me, let me just ask you. My, my understanding is when, you know, I've seen the videos that Rob puts out there. And if, and by the way, for anyone who's listening, if you haven't seen this, I would highly recommend looking up some of Rob's videos on the subject. Um, he's done some with Stefan Kesting that, very concisely explain what he means by alignments and of course rob also has an app with stefan kesting and his own academy as well where he talks about this in detail but just to kind of maybe wrap it up and explain it very concisely my understanding is that when when rob says alignment basically to him that has three components there's posture structure and base now these are all things that i was told about when i started jiu-jitsu everyone said oh you gotta have good base," but no one ever explained to me what that meant i mean it, exactly. until, until rob started talking about that i kind of thought well that just means like putting your butt down on the mat and being heavy but it's actually much more deep than that maybe talk a little bit about what these three things are and why they're important
1: yeah so all all great points right like when we always hear our instructors say things like oh be heavy or put pressure on or or you know things like posture up or whatever be tight Uh, is my favorite What what does that mean (laughs) you really um the the way that rob teaches things is he uses a he's very scientific with his approach because not only do the do the techniques and concepts not only they're based around human biomechanics that use you know things like levers and and wedges we can get into that more later but it, it talks about how to just stay in in alignment and how to, how to scientifically apply pressure. So instead of saying just being heavy, he explains how you can be heavy. He explains, you know, why, why you're basing in a particular way, what center of gravity is, you know, he, he breaks it, like you said, breaks it down very concisely in his, uh, the BJJ formula, which is a grapple arts app he's done with Stefan Kesting. Um, and of course on, on his online Academy, for those who have it, the BJJ concepts, uh, it's, it's a really great, resource for jiu-jitsu but back to the alignment concepts if let's talk about uh first posture so the f- posture is um the, the way that i explain this to people 90 percent of the people that come and see me for privates they want leg locks uh because i'm i've i've been known to to spread and, and develop this island top team leg lock system that rob and i've been worked on for the last few years as well as uh Uh, Rory Van Vliet who's a brown belt under Rob Uh, he's also behind a lot of the breakdown videos that Rob does so check out his stuff the science behind your jiu-jitsu but the posture element of jiu-jitsu everyone has a spine right so the posture is the alignment of your spine and that's this is important to to understand because um, not a lot of jiu-jitsu schools talk like this and using language like posture structure base alignment uh frames levers all these things it it helps you portray information a lot more effectively right so so instead of just saying uh look up when you're inside someone's guard you can tell someone to posture and this doesn't necessarily mean look up this means engage your hips everywhere from your hips up to your neck uh you know having your shoulders back and your chest open there's always an optimal position for your spine in jiu-jitsu no matter what position you're in so it's under it's important to understand that when you have a goal from a certain position what what your spine should be looking like and that's going to directly relate to how effective your jiu-jitsu is
0: so when you're you know when you're a kid your parents always tell you oh, you gotta have good posture and so i think when most people think of posture they think of just like have your back straight and have your shoulders back and don't don't stoop over but in jiu-jitsu there's more to it than that right because a lot of what we do in jiu-jitsu is kind of stooping over lying down on the floor or so, upside down yeah or upside <laughs> down so when you say posture you don't necessarily mean like hey having your your shoulders back and having your back straight that that could be what you mean yeah but in general what you basically mean is like don't have your spine all twisted and contorted to the point where you can't use your body effectively
1: that's right so if your spine is in any way uh bent let's say against your will right like you could have your your you could have your back rounded inverting um and and still have uh, integrity in your spine but if someone is forcefully turning your head to the side or turning your hips over to the side in a fashion where your spine is becoming twisted or if they're pulling your head down like a snap down then your back's going to be bent against your will and thus your alignment will be broken yeah. um, so the alignment is is one of the main I, I think they're all equally important but alignment is really important because your spine is it it dictates you know your your entire framework because everything every your your body is just uh like rob says your body is a is a box a torso with a spine running through it it's got four levers and a computer on top so uh knowing that that we're all made up like this unless you're you know missing a leg or something uh we can all manipulate our uh, our opponent's body in the same fashion so this should be universally translatable throughout jiu-jitsu practitioners yeah so the next thing we'll talk about will be structures Okay. So structure, uh, when Rob refers to structure, he's referring to the alignment of your limbs to your spine. So your arms and legs, you know, jujitsu is a game of, of levers and, uh, your arms and legs are essentially levers and you can break those levers down into even individual levers. So for instance, um, if you look at your leg, there's your upper, your what was it, your femur. That would be a singular lever. Your shin would be a lever, and your foot would be a lever. The, all, the, all these levers can be accessed, uh, but also your leg is a lever. So to put it vaguely, your leg is a lever, but Knowing that we can manipulate these levers differently, it's going to give you uh, a lot more e- efficiency if you understand the lever control game. Uh I never thought about jiu-jitsu being about lever control. I thought it about I thought it was, you know, get to your guard that you like, go for your technique, uh pa- get on top, sweep, pass the guard. I never thought about it being such a lever battle. So, yeah, yeah. so when we talk about in terms of structures, that's how we're going to really uh since levers are force multipliers if i'm going against someone who's much bigger and stronger i can use a lever on their body to manipulate their body and and thus be more effective controlling them
0: got it so just to make sure i i fully understand this because i mean if if you're like me a lot of people probably are not familiar with these terms at least since like grade eight or grade nine we we took very very basic physics in high school uh my understanding is that when you're talking about posture posture basically means making sure that you your spine is aligned in a powerful position structure is the same thing except instead of your spine you're talking about the rest of your skeleton right like not having your arm twisted at an awkward angle and i I guess the you know a, a, a realistic real world example of this is like don't ever, ever try to do this. It's incredibly dangerous. But you know, if you're if you're like deadlifting something, you need to have your spine engaged. Whereas if you ever try to lift something heavy and you have your like head turned even just, just having your head turned to the side, it misaligns your spine and it prevents your body from engaging and really lifting heavy weight. That's now, right. if you if you ever actually try to do that, if you ever try to deadlift something with your head turned to the side, you're going to seriously injure yourself. So please don't ever do that. <laughs> but a big part of jujitsu is trying to ensure that your opponent always has his, his spine misaligned because you know the, a good example being like hey if you're on side control in a guy and you do the old shoulder of justice where you use your shoulder to drive your opponent's head so he's looking away from you I mean you know what a common thing in jiu-jitsu is if you can if you're if you can prevent your opponent from looking at you they basically can't do anything and a big part of that the reason for that is because they don't have posture anymore right because you've denied them the ability to engage their spine and they're not aligned to you Um, and posture or structure is a similar thing where you're you kind of torque or you twist your opponent's limbs in such a way that they can no longer effectively use them and as a smaller guy which which i am this is a very important principle to understand because you if you want to defeat a bigger guy you have to deny them the ability to use their weight and their and their strength and you cannot use your strength if you don't have posture or structure like if your if your arm is twisted at an awkward angle it does not matter how muscular you are so that's a big part of why this is so important because it effectively short circuits the whole strength-based game that a lot of people are going to try to employ otherwise and and you're absolutely right and when we're talking about
1: structures not only uh do i want to not have my arm twisted but i just don't want my opponent to to gain access to say my wrist Mm -hmm. or my foot um and that's going to it's something that you're going to want to fight for early on in the exchange and it's going to pay off big time later on if you win that lever battle Mm -hmm. um you know with posture structure base you always want to uh deny your opponent these three things while you maintain these three things okay so mm-hmm. so uh it can be it can be even further broken down into a game that rob showed me where you're rolling with your partner and then you'll freeze and the scorecard, game, the right? scorecard yeah. game you say what's the score right so this is all rob's stuff yeah he, ha- he has a student ass- assess the situation and say what's the score well you know if you if you if you if you have your head turned to the side, you're denied your posture, right? We, we each start with three. If your opponent denies posture structure based to you, depending on the situation you're in, you can accurately assess if you're in alignment and you'll be able to effectively defend or if you have to uh, continue to work to get your alignment back. So uh, uh, for instance, if someone tries to arm bar you from the guard and you are fully postured up, they're probably going to get their guard passed because they're trying to armbar someone who is in full alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, so many times we hear someone, we hear the saying, uh, you know, position over submission mm-hmm. but it should be more of a what we're really looking for is breaking someone's alignment leading to control leading to submission yeah because yeah. uh, you can have someone in a position of your choice like a guard of your choice and they could be in full alignment so if you try and sweep them in this moment or if you try and attack them with a submission you can fall very far behind in the sequence and it's going to be a big hole to dig yourself out of yeah so it's important to understand that keeping alignment is beneficial for you and denying alignment to your opponent will give you better control over your opponent
0: awesome so uh, talking about the scorecard game if, if i understand correctly basically you're saying that like there's there's three things I've gotta have and there's three things you've gotta have. And, and for both of us, it's, align, it's um, alignment. And alignment breaks down into posture, structure, and base. So at any point in time, when I'm doing a move, my goal is to make sure that I've got all, all, all three of those things, or at least as many of them as I can, while taking them away from you. That's right. And so that's basically all that jujitsu is, right? Like if you strip away all of the terms, all of the labels, jujitsu is a matter of keeping your posture, keeping your structure, and keeping your base while taking that away from your opponent. That's right. And I think it's also safe to say then that, you know, this this is something I really wish people had told me. that There really is no such thing as a submission. Like a submission is not different from a position a submission is a position all a submission is is it is a position where you have completely taken away every single option from your partner their their score is now zero they have no alt posture they have no structure they have no base so they are they're in a position where you can literally do whatever you want to them and that's all jujitsu is right you're trying to keep your score at three while taking your opponents down to zero yeah well so we'll deny uh we'll We'll define base
1: in a second, but what Steve's talking about with with uh, with denying your opponent post structure base, the way I describe it to students is uh, as resources. So you want to deny your opponent the resources needed to have a defense against your attack. Um, this these concepts all trickle down from uh, Rob's time practicing with Ryan Hall. He visited Ryan at his school fifty fifty, and was also a huge fan of Ryan's, um, instructional. So definitely check out Ryan Hall. He was one of the first guys that I sort of saw describing things like, you know, frames and, and, uh, how to be in alignment, how to keep your back straight, things like that. And then Rob took it and, and developed a a systematic approach to Mm -hmm. it. So now we're talking in terms of base. So base would be our connection. Well, the, the scientific definition of base is a platform which you can absorb and exert force. So the plat the 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 platform that we might use to absorb and exert force it might be the floor it might be our partner depending on what we're trying to do depending on the position right so it could be the wall depending on what you're training really. it could be the yeah exactly so so you know think about a shrimp for example if i'm going to do a shrimp and i and i need to escape my hips if i don't connect my feet to the ground i won't be able to lift my butt off the ground and then i won't be able to move my hips so it's very important that i put myself in base and put put my feet on the ground to allow me to move my hips um it's it's something that's that's a very easy way to tell tell someone when you're watching them train to say go into base as long as they understand what that means it's going to be very easy for them to now take that knowledge and and essentially this this alignment concept is a it's a problem solving algorithm it's a filter so if if i say if if i see two people rolling and i say get in base they should know what i'm talking about and correct themselves so that they can't be uh, pushed in one direction or pulled in one direction effectively sweeping them or knocking them off balance. Um, Being in base involves having your center of gravity controlled, which means that your mass, your usually your spine and your hips are uh, within your pillars of support. So generally speaking, that you know, if you're in a standing position, that's going to be your feet. And if your pillar of support or your mass goes beyond those posts, that's when you're going to need to actively post and recover your base. So this is very important when we're talking about guard passing and maintaining top pressure, or or as a lot of people say, being heavy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I you know, I think everyone's been there where you're sparring with a guy, he just keeps trying to sweep you, and you, he can't. And then eventually says, "Man, you got a really good base." Uh, but that's not entirely what we're talking about here right because my my understanding based on what you're saying is you don't have to be in top position to have base you can you can have base from bottom position base just means you've struck you've positioned your body in such a way that you can generate some force or absorb force to to your benefit right that's all right. it means it means that you know so on the bottom if you can be in bottom side control and have some degree of base right like if you can if you can plant your feet and you can bridge and hip escape that is that is base maybe that's not true. as strong as, as the base the guy has on top because he's got gravity in his favor but you can still establish base from a very poor position
1: yeah absolutely and um we should also now that we're talking about base we should also talk about talk about force vectors yeah. so uh, force vector just meaning weight or force being applied in a certain direction at you so when you can identify the force vector let's say someone just double legs you and you're on the bottom trying to desperately retain guard and they're double legging you grabbing your legs with both arms they're walking around trying to pass your guard if you just stay on your back um, you, like you said, your opponent has gravity, it's going to be very difficult to just frame and regard it. Uh, what we have to do is create hit movement, and that's going to involve getting in base. So when we get into base, when someone is, you know, trying to pin us with a double leg takedown, I want to create a, a, a post that matches the angle of the opposing force vector it's easier to see this in a video. And like I said, I recommend you go check out Rob's apps because he breaks it down perfectly. But when force, va- when force is coming at me in a certain direction, I want to uh, post, post in the opposite uh, direction, but they're the, the force vector and the post are meeting in the exact same direction. Yeah. And then of course I want to establish some frames because, you know, being in guard meet is basically just managing distance and frames. Yeah. And that's where we also could talk about frames and levers, which are essentially how you're going to manage and manipulate your and your opponent's structures.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So just to make sure, I I, you know I think probably we'll wind up doing a series of these episodes because there's a lot of concepts here. Uh, But just so that I understand properly, when we're talking about um, force vectors, basically you're talking about like the direction of force that your opponent is is putting towards you, and you're saying that hey, look, generally speaking, you know you want to create a solid structure and you want to meet that force vector head on so that you can basically stop that motion. Whereas of course, if you're the guy on the attack, what you're always trying to do is you're trying to to go around your opponent's force factor, right? You know, if your opponent is trying to bridge or frame right into you, you don't want to just keep driving into that, right? That's like ramming your head into a wall. You want to go around it. And so this is the opposite side of that equation where, hey, if you're, you know, you never want to meet force head on. If you're the guy who's on the attack, you want to try to go around that because that way you bypass his source of strength. That's that's exactly right. And
1: being in base will always give you the mobility needed to remanage your distance. So if you're if you're in a a battle where you're trying to maintain guard and your guard's getting passed, you need to create space so you can uh you know, get your hips in a better position, uh create distance and then reset your frame. So in order to do that and in order to not get swept, we need to be able to be in proper base because I'm sure anyone out there who's listening who does jiu-jitsu, who rolls with a beginner, you know, sometimes you'll you'll put a guard on like, you know, a Dela Riva and you rock your opponent and they just fall over because they don't understand where they sh- where they should be posting or how they should be basing or even in terms of learning leg locks, another example, if I have a heel hook on someone and they just try and continue to spin out of it, uh, it's not the most technical way to escape a leg lock generally i tell my opponents or my students to get into base and to start controlling levers as opposed to trying to just rip your leg out or roll out without being in base um, being in base pays off in the long run and it generally always gives you the ability to defend a lot of attacks if you just understand how to be in proper base
0: yeah and if you've if you when you spar with high level guys versus more junior guys you can feel the difference right I mean I I know that if I get like top side control on a someone who's less experienced I can kind of you know I can put my head or my arm around their head and I can really crush them and then I can start isolating their arm whereas if you're playing against a really experienced guy I mean a lot of the time trying to take side control is kind of like riding a turtle like there's nothing for you to grab onto it just feels like there's this ball underneath you uh, because he's not giving you anything and then eventually there's enough movement and enough um, exploitation of base that the guy regards or he gets up or something And it, that difference really comes down to posture structure base right it comes down to the fact that the person on on the ground is making effective use of their body while denying you the ability to latch onto anything which you call a lever right basically you're he's denying you the ability to grab an arm or his head or a leg and and use that to manipulate him
1: that's right. And and so after we take these concepts and and think about alignment as essentially a system or a filter that we can use to uh, identify, first of all, it, ha- it helps me identify things that I see on the internet that I feel are, are not effective mm-hmm. uh, because I can see if someone's in base now. It's almost like I've, it's like I'm seeing numbers in the matrix and I'm able to look at these scenarios and say, hey, that would work. Or that wouldn't work because, you know, you're not in base or your opponent is just giving you this. It, once you use this alignment system, it, it helps you uh, really sift through all the BS out there and you can really decode any grappling scenario. I've yet to find a grappling scenario where posture structure base doesn't apply yeah. And now that I know
0: this. And that's why it's a mental model, right? Because it's it describes, a mental model. It's universal. It describes every aspect of jiu-jitsu. And once you can understand that, like you said well, about the matrix, you start to see the patterns that govern the world, right? Rather that's than right. trying to remember, oh, crap, where do I, you know, where did, where did Professor say I put my hand in this position? Exactly. You don't need to remember every step because you understand, you know, things become more fundamentally clear to you and you just follow those three rules. Exactly. You're
1: essentially teaching someone to fish. I find it's also a great way to help build instructors because they start to use this language and then they can relay information very accurately. They can say, I would put my hand here and this is why I would do this. Not just, oh, put my hand here and put the pressure on, which is a very vague statement. Um, In terms of, of how this this outlook on jujitsu, it goes beyond jujitsu as well. If you think about any physical human exertion, I'm lifting a box or I'm, I'm, I'm shooting a golf ball or I'm going to swing a bat. These, these rules all apply. I have to have myself in proper base that I can generate force i need to have my spine straight so that i'm going to have the maximum output for the minimum efficiency or sort of maximum efficiency for uh, minimum uh, exertion and i need to obviously have my limbs in the correct position depending on whatever task i'm doing so the, being in alignment is something that goes so much farther on to jujitsu. it translates into life like i said into an, almost any physical exertion um, mm-hmm. to become more efficient and really what we're trying to do is be you know I don't want to say not work hard, but do do the most amount of efficiency for the least output.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would actually specifically say that, you know, you want to avoid unnecessary work. Um, if you're working hard, you should be working hard because that's the only way to really get get what you want but you also don't want to be working efficiently right you want as you said earlier Matt you want a a force multiplier you know if I'm putting in x effort I I want to see 10x results this is kind of the big thing that um at a white belt level you don't understand you're pushing and pulling and you're using your muscles and you're just happy if you get a submission but I'm not happy with that right I want to be able to spar effortlessly against opponents of any size and the only way you're going to be able to do that is if everything you do is so efficient and thoughtful that you don't really have to be running at 100% all the time. Yeah.
1: So so what this means for like when I, you know, when I had just gotten my brown belt, I, I was kind of officially unofficially training under Rob um, until it was time for me to compete as a brown belt then I had to you know he he became my full-time instructor but these concepts followed me all the way through the end of my purple belt uh, and, and through my brown belt and what I found myself doing was as I was rolling I wouldn't even be thinking about techniques I would be thinking about where's where's the lever I can exploit how can I deny my opponent access to my levers which is a huge concept, and then look to break my opponent's alignment. This would lead to advantageous positions like sweeps and guard passes and submissions. So once, when we go back to the scorecard concept, once I've denied my opponent... uh, two or even three of those things, it's now usually time to go for a submission because you've you've successfully taken your opponent's base and posture away, and now we're looking to isolate limbs or depending yeah. on whatever submission you're doing, uh, exploit
0: their... Yeah, their and, and part of the reason why this is important is because... Um, You know, if you were to try to map out, and this is where I think a lot of instructors go wrong. If you were to try to, like from any given position, map out every single possible option and memorize every single possible variation and place where your hand could go, you know, you wind up with just way too many things to memorize. There there are literally infinite possibilities for what could happen, and you can't memorize the perfect counter to everything. Whereas if you think of things at a foundational level and you just think about alignment, that's three things you have to have in your brain at any given time, posture, structure, and base. And then you can make decisions much more rapidly. And that is so important when you're sparring, right? I mean, I think it was, I may be wrong on this. I think it was Salo Hibero who said that um, if you have to think, you're going to die, basically. You know, if you, if you need to stop and think about what you're going to do at any given time, you're already going to lose because your opponent has already moved right past you. You need to be able to make decisions, make the right decision very, very quickly. And it's a lot easier to do if you're only thinking about three things instead of thinking about, tens of thousands of things, right? I mean, a, a good example that I can give anecdotally is for a long time, I had a really hard time getting out of side control. And it was because I was looking for moves, right? I was trying to think. Well, okay, if, if Uki's got both hands on my near on the near side, I got to have an answer for that. Oh, but if he's got both hands on the far side, I got to. Oh, but if he's in Kesakatami, I got to do this. So I was trying to think of the right answer for every possible scenario. And what would inevitably happen is I'd get into the spot, and you know maybe the guy would grab both. You know he'd have my near hip, and he'd have his arm around my head, and I'd think I know what to do here, and I, I'd execute step one, two, three, four, five of my predefined escape and as soon as I did that the guy would like switch to me on belly or something. I was like, okay, now <laughs> now my move is out the door. There a variable has been introduced and I can't think fast enough to deal with this. What I eventually kind of realized is there are really, it doesn't matter what, what techniques or steps you're following. You just have to really make sure that you have your levers controlled. Don't give the guy anything to grab. You need to make sure that you're not overexpending energy. You need to make sure that you're facing and framing the guy. And rather than trying to do your one perfect escape, you need to just be constantly moving and constantly executing these principles over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, I actually taught this a week or two ago we had we had some new people who were getting really frustrated because like everyone they got stuck inside control and they were looking for the the silver bullet escape that would get them out and I told them just forget about techniques there there are no techniques here you there do not focus on memorizing the steps all you need to know is number one don't overexert yourself number two don't let them grab onto don't give them any lever to exploit and and number three being don't don't try to use big explosive motions use constant manipulation of of levers you know you want to be able to make sure that the guy can't misalign your spine if you look at a, a someone who sucks at getting out of side control they're trying to do these big explosive bridges and these big explosive hip escapes and they never work but if you look at someone who's really proficient it's almost like watching like an earthworm wiggle because they're, they're not really doing anything big or explosive it's just constant little adjustments and little motions that allow w- without exposing your arms or your legs it, it's really a profound thing to watch because like a it's almost naked or it's almost unseen to the to yeah, layman's yeah. naked eye yeah and i, I mean I, I hate to use the whole invisible jujitsu term because it kind of makes things sound more magical than they are but and but, also more uh infinite yeah 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 it, it really it really just it looks kind of like an earthworm wiggling because it's just a person making very small adjustments to get their alignment back you know they're not they're not trying to hercules their way out of it they're just kind of gradually bumping just a little bit and hip escaping just a little bit and if you keep doing that eventually you'll get free And, and that way of thinking uh is much better than trying to memorize every single technique
1: yeah and and doing doing um looking through the alignment lens or filter uh, when you approach grappling like it takes a while to to program it into your mind and to really have that in your head when you're grappling and when you're especially when you're teaching uh this this idea of alignment can help competitors obviously get better but it helps for me as an instructor it made it so much easier to teach jiu-jitsu so for instructors out there if you're not using you know talking about human biomechanics and uh th- things like alignment you're probably teaching in moves and your students are probably missing w- what i would consider the big picture i uh, there there are obviously different journeys in jiu-jitsu you could get you could be a technique guy you've learned in techniques you know you put uh, 10 years on the mats and you have fantastic jiu-jitsu but you might not be able to explain exactly why something works universally or scientifically why why when i when you push me here why should i put my hand here instead of here to not get swept or you know why when you start talking in terms of posture structure base I find that people in the room tune in a little bit easier and, and especially for, you know, you don't necessarily want to teach to the lowest person in the room because you're going to start to, um, it's it's going to deter some of the upper ranks in the room, but everyone can understand these terms because we really simplify it. And, everyone who's brand new all the way up into the senior ranks can understand what I'm saying when I say posture structure base. So this is something that I've started to teach my beginners. And the improvement that you see is really drastic compared to some other, some other beginners that I've met. And for myself, when I started implementing these concepts, it was just like, like I said, it's like you're in the matrix and you see a code, you're not really looking for your moves or, you know, your favorite (laughs) technique anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to your point, it it is possible that you could become a very professional efficient grappler through technique memorization but this is kind of like people who you know throughout school they never actually bother to really learn what's happening they just memorize the right answer right It's it's gone next week after you take your test and additionally if you see something that you've never seen before you won't know how to respond um, the problem with technique hunting is yeah you might even if you can memorize 10,000 techniques perfectly all it takes is for your opponent to do something you've never seen before and you're not going to really know what to do um, and to your point also matt you know it's it's nearly impossible to effectively explain something if you don't know the, the why behind what you're doing um, i think it was einstein who said that you know in, unless you can explain something in the simplest possible terms you don't really understand it um, i this is something that i i think is so foundational and, and important to jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu right now is a very technique-based um system in terms of the way people teach it you know if you look for jiu-jitsu stuff on youtube 99 of what you're going to find is a video that breaks down uh you know the dozen steps to execute an arm bar or something like that everyone's teaching in terms of techniques and i think that's really doing a disservice to people who are getting into this for the first time and or even experts you know they if you are thinking in terms of techniques you aren't really fully aware of where the holes in your game are the reason why i thought a podcast would be a good medium for what we're talking about is because we're not talking about 10 steps to do an armbar. We don't need to sit tap a video to show that. We can talk about ideas and audio is a very good medium for that, right? Whereas when you get onto YouTube is great if i want to do a, a detailed step-by-step breakdown, but that, there's already a lot of that out there. What I'm more interested in is the why behind the stuff. Why does something work? And how can you learn the principles in, in behind jiu-jitsu so that you can be creative, right? Ideally, you should understand the foundations of, of jiu-jitsu enough that you can create your own game. I mean, most most of the chokes and, and the submissions that I do are stuff that no one else does. I made them up, right? But if you can come up with something that is foundationally sound and, you know, you can you can keep your, your posture structure and base while denying it to your opponents, it doesn't matter if it's you know an accepted technique or something that's been done a million times or if it's something that you just created it if it works it works right that's right
1: and al- alignment is just uh that's it, it's why we see well when he does compete it's why we see half amenda always winning championships why Mar- why it's so hard to to beat a guy like marcelo garcia these guys are always in a better position mm-hmm. they're always just focused on their position uh to to a beginner or to a uh, to a layman, it seems like you know they're a wizard. They know these moves that are just like magic. Mm-hmm. There's really no magic, right? There's there there's no uh, there's no invisible jujitsu. Even though it, it some sometimes it can be hard to see. These are all these are all spells. These are not real things. If you understand why, based on a human biomechanics uh, perspective, you're going to have a lot more answers for questions. And as an instructor, you're going to get asked why. You're going to yeah. get you know when you. It, a mistake a lot of mis- uh, a lot of instructors make is they say I do this uh, I like to do this or mm-hmm. I teach this I like this is what I do mm-hmm. um, that's fine as long as you say this is why I do it this way right mm-hmm. uh, because I could be like 300 pounds absolutely jacked and a lot of stuff's gonna work that I can do <laughs> yeah. and, and the smallest person in the room you know they're not gonna have that luxury of being so heavy naturally or being mm-hmm. so strong so. You gotta, Kate, as an instructor, you have to be able to, to speak to everyone in the room, not just the big, strong person in the room. Everyone's gonna have different games, different approaches, different body types, right? Different sizes. So, uh, it's important that we all say, hey, we've all got a computer on the top of a torso with four limbs sticking out of it, four levers. Uh, we all have that. So, yes, size does matter. Uh, in extreme cases, but being in alignment can make you very efficient as a small person fighting a big person. Mm-hmm. And it's going to—it's portraying that alignment concept is going to help you uh, make sure that everyone in the club can fill holes in their game just by running it through this cons- this filter of posture, structure, base. Yeah,
0: and, and the thing too that I like about this this framework—you uh, know, forgetting about moves, but just thinking about: Do I have posture? Do I have structure? Do I have base? And can I take it, those three things away from my opponent? The thing I like about that framework is it prevents you from falling into the old um, jujitsu ju- trap of just like going to predefined positions. The, the other day I was teaching a class, and people were uh, we were asking about how to pass guard. And the thing I noticed was everyone would walk right into like open guard or walk right into headquarters. You know, they they wouldn't even try to like defeat the levers right away. But you know, whenever we teach a technique, we start from okay i'm going to be in your open guard and then i do this so people would just waltz right into the other person's guard and then they try to do the escape and i i explained like look the best way to pass the person's guard is to not get stuck there in the first place. When you go and engage- if you've got someone who's like uh, you know on the ground and you're standing up, don't just walk right into the open guard. Catch and defeat their lever, their levers first, right? Get their legs. Because if you do it right, plan A is you can literally just go r- right around them. You can pass them without ever even being in their guard. The situation where you're in their guard and they're tied up around you and you've got to start disentangling their legs that's like plan d that's after every attempt to bypass that situation has failed and now you've got to dig yourself out of a hole um you the the reason why things look so effortless when you see like a black belt do it is because they're not even getting into that position where they have to worry about like getting out of de la guard they deny the lever before it even occurs yeah this is um you you see
1: this at, sometimes if you go to cl- other clubs and uh or, you know I'm I'm not going to not going to shit on anyone but clubs that are you know maybe the instructor isn't as knowledgeable or the concepts aren't necessarily as sound as, as they could be, you'll see students uh, start in the guard and shake hands and then roll from there. Or start in the half guard, they shake hands and then they roll over there. But now, now we're talking about a, a different system, which is the phases of guard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, jujitsu is a game of, of levers. It's a game of systems too. So if you, that, that's why guys like uh, the Danaher Death Squad are so effective. Their systems are so sound and they're all based around being in alignment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you go right into a guard and you shake hands and you start to roll, you are denying yourself a huge portion of the fight that goes on—the yes. grip fighting and the lever battling that goes on leading up to that—could
0: dictate a match. Yeah. I I, th- I would actually say it almost always does, right? Like it I. Does. I whoever controls the basically the opening salvo whoever gets the grips whoever controls the lever first most of the time they're going to be the ones who get what they want right the other guy's immediately on the defensive it's exactly the same thing with uh judo you know you you can't throw
1: someone if you don't have grips if they've grabbed you you're you're in a bad position right you're probably about to get thrown against a good judoka Mm -hmm. so so in terms of uh breaking down the phases of guard the way that rob teaches it is there's three phases of guard that go along with this there's the engagement phase which is where, you know, envision yourself Training with someone, you shake hands and you uh, someone pulls guard, and no one has touched anyone yet. So this is the phase where the hand
0: battling goes on. We fight to get control of the wrist. So no one has lever control. At no one has no, no one has effective grips. You're just kind of getting into that spot and you're fighting for that dominant grip or that dominant lever.
1: That's right, and that's where your role should start, unless you're doing targeted sparring. Because uh, in competition, this is a huge portion of of, of the fight. It's going to dictate whether or not you're going to be successful or not in competition. Basically, uh, some world champ. Champions like specifically edwin najmi who's just amazing with his flying attacks these guys thrive in the engagement phase so understanding that there are phases to your guard and stages and and also parts of, of that of those concepts that you want to avoid uh, you don't want to try to start defending guard when you're already past, for example so the first guard is first phase of guard is the engagement phase the grip fighting that goes on and the lever battles second phase of guard is going to be the maintenance phase so now picture yourself you're in half guard okay? Mm-hmm. You, you have, a, a in this case, a half guard is a clamp-based guard. You've wrapped your legs and crossed them, creating a tight wedge on one of your opponent's legs. And you're trying to get into a position where you can sweep, but more importantly, you're trying to deny your opponent the guard pass. So you are maintaining your guard. You you're are trying ma- to stabilize, basically, at this point. You're trying to... Yeah, you, well, stabilize and, and effectively manage the distances mm-hmm. by replacing frames, okay? Right. Um, and then, of course, the third phase of guard is the recovery phase. So now you know your opponent just knee cut past you from the half guard you don't have his leg anymore in ibjjf this is like a, a bad time because you're about to get points scored against you and we want to avoid this this happening we want to avoid the third phase from the bottom because that means that our guard is failed we failed ourselves you're already at planned like c or d at this yeah. point this is like the last uh we're looking for last resort measures to maintain our guard because what happens after that is our opponent gets a really dominant position and we are digging ourselves out of a really big hole so knowing that there's these phases of guards we can be very uh very precise when we're describing what our inten- intentions are during a fight mm-hmm. and we know what what needs to be
0: done to maintain position yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I think the, the thing that I see is there's three phases of guard. And really when most clubs start trying to teach techniques, they're only looking at the second or the third phase, right? You know, you start from where the guy's already tied up, into where you're already deep into the position or you're trying to escape. Most places don't start from, no one has our grips, how do we even engage? Something I've been trying to do with students is uh, to, to teach it really simply. Uh, when, when I'm showing something, normally what I do is I say, okay, here's plan A, and plan A is, you don't even let the guy get his grips in the first place plan b is he's got his grips but he hasn't completely locked you up the way that he wants yet and then plan c is you're deep in the mud hole now and you are on the defensive you've got to get yourself out of that situation before you can start thinking about doing what you want to do the problem i had for a very long time is people would show a move and i'd be like okay yeah okay i know that I, i get it i get the 10 steps behind this but why am i even doing this move instead of something else why am i even doing this instead of like why wouldn't i just bypass this whole situation completely by not letting the guy grab me and usually instructors kind of hand wave that discussion away but the reality is that's important right you want to deny people the ability from even having to do a quote-unquote technique on you right you want to you want to bypass the it, you know it's it's funny this is the same thing that they teach you in like um self-defense you want to have situational awareness you want to bypass the bad situation you don't want to wander down that dark alley by yourself you know if you can bypass the bad situation completely then the need for a move is irrelevant in the first place and and these things are there's so many parallels in everyday
1: life like this like mm-hmm. how to how to use efficiency and and, uh, you know, it's like what Ryan Hall says, prevention is the best cure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when, when you can see things uh, from a mile away and, and try and put your efficiency ahead of everything else, um, the return that you get in the financial world, yeah. uh, you, you know, when you're in, when you're training jujitsu <clears throat> in your marital life, it's important to understand that. Uh, saving your energy and being efficient and and being able to uh, like you said like bypass bad situations is huge
0: because you're going to save yourself so much hard work and so much trouble for nothing yeah. and that's that's the wonderful thing about mental models right is they're not localized necessarily to just jujitsu, jitsu because they're universal usually there is a way to apply them outside of life it's like you know to to your point what we've talked about here are the phases of guard you could further generalize that and say that it's like the the phases of problem solving really you know it's if you break things down mentally into engagement maintenance and and, and, um, recovery almost anything in life falls into that situation any battle that you can win at the engagement level uh, before the problem has even actually flared up into a problem is is like ideally that that's where you want to be you don't even want to have to solve a problem you want to prevent the problem from happening in the first place so a lot of this stuff is truly universal uh, and i find that thinking about these things from a jiu-jitsu context is very helpful for learning things more rapidly than you otherwise would if you're trying to remember all of the steps so we're getting you know we're getting close to an hour matt maybe to close this off um we could t- just go through a particular example, right? You know, a lot of this sounds very theoretical and it, it would be good to maybe figure out how you could apply this to the real world, right? So, um, I don't know. Let's say that, you know, I want to execute, um, an armbar, right? Let's say I'm, I'm on mounts. I want to armbar you. How, how does alignment work here? Like I, I, I could give you the 10 steps to executing an armbar, but if I wanted to use the alignment scorecard approach, walk me through that. What would that look like? Well, if I'm,
1: if I have you in mount, um, what that means is I'm trying to de- deny you posture structure base so maybe I'm being very heavy with my chest down on your face with pressure on your face I could be turning your face to the side I really like that I'm based very Which
0: my my posture right that's there, right, right. Yeah.
1: Break, break looking to break your posture and also uh depending on what you like to do with your legs when you're in mount if you have a lower mount you're probably looking for a, like a grapevine type attack where you're going to be denying your opponent the ability to my bridge,
0: bridge break, effectively yeah. your base is your yeah. feet right because, so, because Because if my feet are planted, even if I'm the guy on bottom mount, if my feet are planted and I can bridge or hip escape, I do have base. But you can deny that, yeah, by by grapevining or kicking my legs out or having some answer to that, right? Right. That's right.
1: And now depending on what the scenario where uh, maybe you're gonna go into an S mount, um, in order for you to climb up from that lower mount into a higher mount, you need to exploit your opponent's structure. So in this case, it's going to be the space under their armpits. So if if their elbows are glued to their ribs, it's going to be impossible to expose the arm past the elbow. What we need to do is is create separation from their elbow and their body and occupy that space with our groin in this case, or our our leg. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we do that, we will have isolation of the lever so now depending on what's going on there's so many different types of arm bars when I decide that I'm going to throw my leg over your head in some sort of fashion or maybe my shin across your face I want to make sure that I'm always keeping you out of alignment so I'm not just going to uh, spin and fall back and hope that I grab the arm because commonly we do that when we're beginners and as a result a lot of the time our opponent uh, rolls
0: out comes up on top and now we've given up a great position And, and also another thing that people sometimes don't realize is when you do that the the like the the hail mary the, the, the ufc one spin basically where you just throw your leg over in addition to um to you know making these mistakes you're also giving up your own base because when you're flying through the air like that and there's no part of you on the ground you can't Adjust or pivot. Whereas if you can keep constant control, you maintain your base, and that makes it a lot easier to fight off escape attempts from the guy in the bottom. Right. That's right. And now, so
1: now you know we've transitioned into an S mount. We've ex, we've exploited our hopefully our both of our opponents' arms uh, as opposed to just the one we want. I generally always try and underhook the far arm as well, and and create a wedge by driving my uh, my foot underneath their arm. So so when I say wedge, uh, the 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 job of a wedge is to, uh stop movement i'm trying to immobilize part of my opponent's body so when i'm in side control or when i'm on top and mount uh, or in the armbar position i'm creating a series of wedges around my opponent that is trying to prevent them from moving as opposed to being really heavy uh, which is a really a a vague statement that doesn't really mean anything i'm actually trying to create wedges around you and this is going to be uh, a mechanism that we use a lot in jiu-jitsu in many situations that's going to stop you from moving once this happens It should be difficult for you to extract your arm. And I should be in su- such base that if you were to roll either way or bump either way, that I have my toes in base, I have my hand in base, or even sometimes my head in base, using my head as a, as a post, uh, and I should be able to absorb all of your, um, if I'm effectively in base, I should be able to absorb all all of, absorb all of your attempts to sweep me or, or rock my base um, and still maintain the top position. Yeah. So, so now, you know, I, I have the end of your arm, and I'm about to throw my leg over your head i would usually i try and uh, maintain uh, a broken posture on my opponent maybe i'm going to push push their jaw away with my hand thus turning their face away from me and preventing them from turning into me so they lose further posture that's right and then i replace it with usually you know you throw your leg over their head or their shin or whatever type of armbar you're going for and then what and then essentially you land into the armbar position now whether you you fell off uh with this control or you're still on top in mount that depends on the armbar you're doing but generally i always try and maintain my posture structure base so i will never try to uh abandon the top position generally for an arm bar i always try and finish in base if i do happen to get uh knocked off that position and i end up on the bottom i still want to have enough control where i can either finish the arm bar from there or come back on top if i can um and this a proper arm bar involves uh obviously you need to expose your opponent's arm past their elbow, but you need to have tight wedges around their shoulder so that when you apply uh, force into their elbow, uh, creating the arm bar, that the pressure has nowhere
0: to go. And it also denies them structure too, right? The, the mistake that, I mean, even at a high level, this can be very hard. If you don't have enough enough um if you don't have a proper wedge preventing the guy from um from retracting his elbow it's extremely easy to escape an arm bar right if you if you aren't actually using your hips to wedge the guy's elbow he still has structure and he can just basically retract his elbow and turn back in towards you and that's even at a high level that can be very hard to defend against
1: and it'll be of course it'll be easy for them to get out It'll it'll be impossible for you to actually apply breaking pressure like if your opponent just lies there and doesn't even try and get out and you try and rip his arm off but your legs are are just uh flat doing nothing Mm -hmm. you're not going to get any any actual breaking power because the pressure on the elbow is allowed to bleed into the shoulder and once the shoulder absorbs the pressure it, it sort of uh it's like a spring and it basically just
0: takes all of the pressure out of compensate the for the pressure elsewhere in the body right? exactly
1: the pressure yeah. bleeds so what we want to do is we want to isolate the wrist which is our control on the end of the lever and then on the other end of the lever the shoulder we want to immobilize the shoulder so that no pressure can bleed into the shoulder then we're going to be able to concentrate all of our breaking force into the fulcrum which is in this case the
0: elbow and the, it. then you're going to get your armbar. got it got it so it i guess the thing is though the even when You've got the guy in quote unquote armbar position, you know, he can still technically have some degree of base or some degree of structure, and you still need to be wary of defending those, right? The, the classic armbar thing that you think about in your mind where you've got the arm fully extended out, that's the situation where there's no posture left, there's no structure left, and there's probably no base left. But what, before you get there, when the guy's like, I don't know, clasping his hands or doing whatever, he's still got some Opportunity to escape. He still has some structure that you haven't fully denied him and he still has some degree of base. So you're really what you're doing then, you know, when you're applying whatever mechanic you want to to detach the guy's arms like that, you're effectively taking away that last bit of structure and that last bit of base. And when you have the arm bar fully extended, that's the situation where you have base, you have posture, you have structure. Opponent has no base, opponent has no posture, opponent has no structure the score is three to zero and that basically is a submission any position where the score is three to zero is probably a submission is it not exactly yeah. and if it's if, it,
1: if it's not yet a, a full-on submission um it's on its way to being a full-on submission when it's when the score is three one or three zero it's it's time to go for the finish at that point and that is something that is so important to tell people when they're when they're brand new yeah. because they're not going to know when to go for an arm bar you're yeah. going to see new guys in the guard going for arm bars
0: i see purple and, uh, belts doing this where they're like still trying to like die for a submission
1: right? attack exactly they don't recognize when their opponent uh has or doesn't have the resources to defend an attack and usually as a result they end up in a poor position yeah so it's an important concept to understand when you know that uh when you're in alignment and when you deny your opponent alignment like we've been saying this whole time it's a system that just it's a filter you can apply to any grappling scenario and i've yet to find a grappling situation where it doesn't work
0: yeah and i mean it's interesting because if you look at almost any other well any other legitimate martial art out there these principles will apply to any of them even stand-up striking arts right right? You still have the exact same principles of play. Uh, I, I think that's probably a, enough today to cover here. Uh, I mean, I, I am very cognizant of the fact that this can be very confusing and overwhelming when, when you hear this for the first time. So I guess first I'll just quickly recap it and then you tell me, Matt, if I've, I've recapped properly. Basically, jiu-jitsu, if you throw away all of the labels and, and names for moves and positions, it's a game of alignment, right? Alignment has three parts. You've got posture which is effective positioning of your spine you've got structure which is effective positioning of your limbs and you've got base which is positioning your body in such a way that you can create or absorb force uh, relevant to your goals right at any point in jiu-jitsu, you're trying to keep these three things while taking them away from your opponent. And the end game, when you win, is when you've got all of those things and your opponent has none of them. And basically, you can just sit there and control them and give them time to think about the poor life choices, right? That's basically <laughs> all jujitsu is. That's exactly right. Okay. So, I mean, I understand too that, you know, there's a lot of new terminology here. As one of the guys who really uh, pioneers this stuff and as someone who works directly with the guy who did, Matt, where would you suggest that people go if they want to learn more about this horse? Or, or dig deeper into this material so definitely
1: i um ryan hall would be like one of the first guys like we said uh definitely check out his his jiu-jitsu dvds and he's got a few videos on youtube he starts to really talk about concepts and then of course my professor rob bernacki island top team nanaimo he's got an online academy called um uh, bjjconcepts.com i believe I'll, I'll look it up while you're talking uh and it's it's a really fantastic resources uh resource for instructors uh it's not net it's bjj concepts bjj concepts (laughs) on (laughs) that (laughs) sorry rob but definitely check that out um and and it's, it's also got the the way that the online academy is structured is so organized that it's very easy to navigate through which is whereas i find a lot of uh online academies are very it's like scattered. Move of the day, it's
0: just a database of moves
1: right? yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a scattered library that's not even organized what rob's done he's he's got a pedagogy section where he's actually teaching people how to be better coaches how to mm-hmm. uh, relay information better to adults how to relay information to kids how to coach at tournaments it's really uh really awesome stuff. And it's uh, really, uh, I think some of the leading material that you can get out there. Of course, Rob also has, a four-part app with Stefan Kesting called the BJJ Formula. It's got a guard app, a top game app, a core concepts app, and a back control app. So Mm -hmm. um, you could could base uh, a curriculum pretty much around that whole app. It gives you all the BJJ concepts and movements necessary to become a really proficient practitioner and instructor. So definitely, I'd recommend checking that out as well as the online academy. And of course, Rob has lots of videos of of all these uh, concepts on on YouTube he does film pretty much every one of his seminar and put it up there so the island top team page on YouTube is also a great resource for this information.
0: Yeah, I as someone who is honestly quite new to this way of thinking i found that the first i believe it was the first dvd of the core concept set uh, i downloaded that through the io through the stefan kesting ios app i found especially that first one where he talks about these rather than talking about moves he talks specifically about what we talked about today i found that a very helpful tool for understanding alignment so I think that's a pretty good comprehensive discussion of this topic. In terms of how we want to structure this podcast, I think that the best thing to do, you know, there's there's tons and tons of mental models out there. Uh, we wanted to start with alignment because it's a really good first starting point to understand what jiu-jitsu actually is. But there are many more other mental models. Um, maybe, you know, I don't even know what they are. All, all are. Uh, we're trying to document them as best we can on bjjmentalmodels.com. We've been putting together a database of all of the mental models we've thought of over the years. But what I think we'll do for this podcast is on every episode, we'll probably pick a new one, starting from the more fundamental ones and gradually getting more advanced and more specific. Um, Some of them, like today, will be very, very high level. Some of them might not even be about actual sparring at all. I mean, there are are mental models that apply to learning and coaching techniques. And I think that could be a very interesting, untapped area of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where we could really have some good conversations. So, again um i would definitely recommend if you want to learn more about this look up rob bernacki's website bjjconcepts.net Stefan cast castings apps especially the ones with rob uh we also have our own website where we document some of the stuff bjjmentalmodels.com thanks again matt i thought this was a really good first episode it was um, great chat thanks yeah. a lot and Talk- sorry go on matt. and uh, definitely check out
1: also uh professor kyle tara who is uh rob's professor Um, BJJ legend and has a great online academy as well so uh, shout out to Kyle as well and yeah it's been a great chat and if you're not if you think about jujitsu in terms of moves uh, I feel like you're really missing out on a great opportunity to fill in a lot of the gaps that and problems that you could be having and why these problems are occurring and uh, it's just awesome information that I think everyone should have
0: yeah I agree thanks again so much Matt Um, thanks of course to Rob and to everyone else who's helped to pioneer this information which I found so tremendously helpful and to anyone out there who's listening you know we are new at this podcasting game so any feedback would be greatly appreciated please do feel free to share your thoughts on what you heard today thank you thank, thank you steve you. and hope you enjoyed thanks